Are you ready? Hey, you think you can tell us what to do? You think you can tell us what to wear? You think that you're better? Well, you better get ready. Bow to the masters. Break it down! Welcome to I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting, talking mostly sports, mostly in the SEC, and mostly with the Bama bias. And now, time for your hosts. Tom was a regular starter on his peewee football teams. After high school, he took a relatively unknown intramural college football team and had them one win from the playoffs. Late in his college career, he was a two-sport star and relinquished his college eligibility to enter the NBA draft. As an undrafted free agent, he turned to sports gambling and poker to make ends meet. Now he's here to share his life experiences and general sports knowledge with the world. He's Tom Sims, he's Rush Chairman, and he's damn glad to meet ya. His sidekick, who hails from Parts Unknown, Red Bay, he claims he can beat any listener at Galka, which is probably correct considering you guys have like eight listeners. He has three Fortnite Victory Royale solo wins. He's been known to weeble and wobble, but he's never fallen down. He has the face for radio and the voice for newspaper, Mr. Jason Tiffin. Welcome to episode 17 of I'm Not Targeting, You're Targeting. I'm Jason Tiffin, half of your host, along with Tom Sims. Tom, how's it going? It's fine. Yeah, can you hear the music? Because I can barely hear it through my headphones. I can hear it, unfortunately. Well, I think, I think it's appropriate. And I, I was I was going to go on a little rant um, on, the, uh, on the intro... But I think what I'm going to do is jump around. Boy, Tom, aren't you glad we have instant replay in uh, college football? <laughs> I, I mean, I, I, I love it. You know, and uh, it's, a, it's a darn shame that we can't go back and see when a guy almost gets his neck broken on a punt return. But alas, we cannot. But let, I, I, my intro, I want to I want to say I have a confession to make. Nick Saban is not going to be happy when I say this. But uh, I was a bad fan this week. I left at halftime. And uh, I can blame it on my girls who were who were cold, and they were cold. But the bottom line is, we were playing horribly, and uh, I was like, I don't want to, I don't want to be around. And we had a motorhome full of uh, some uh, beverages and food. I'm like, and we had people back at the motorhome. I was like, let's just go. I told Misty, I said, if uh, if the girls want to go, we'll go. And she's like, deal. Well, I get over there, and Tori and Sophie, they're ready to go. So we roll out, and I get back to the motorhome. You know, we start making a comeback. And then I realize it. I have making. I have ma- making. I have made a grave mistake. And it's not that I wish I was back in the stadium because I, I was fine with my decision to leave. And if we won, oh well. I left the 1994 Georgia game when Jay Barker threw the the winning touchdown pass. I watched that from stadium apartments. So it has happened in my lifetime. Mm-hmm. Now the mistake I'm talking about is I realized that I had to listen to Gary Danielson for the <laughs> remainder of the game. And, Tom, I'm going to tell you this right here. If I would have had a gun with two bullets and I would have had the head of officiating that totally screwed us on the out-of-bounds call and Gary Danielson in the same room, I would have shot Gary Danielson twice. 
<laughs> I still don't know what the out of bounds call ruling ended up. Be. I mean, it obviously didn't go our way, and 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 it did not affect the outcome of the game. I'll go on record to say that. But uh, I still don't know agree. how agree. that call. I it still befuddles well, me. Did you ever get an explanation on that? Well, I was on the the Twitter machine today, and there's a there's a guy named Ben Litvin. He is phenomenal at breaking down uh, plays. He's a great follow. I don't even know his at, but uh, if you look up Ben Litvin, L I T V I N, he is always. Uh, he, I don't know if he does anymore, but he breaks down. Man, he he knows his X's nose, and he was saying that I think the ref ruled that he was pushed out of bounds. Well, here's the problem with that. If the here's my problem with it. If he was pushed out of bounds, then where's the flag for pass interference? Because that, that pass play was over five yards away from the line of scrimmage. So, in my opinion, okay, what they, they're looking at the replay, and they're like, oh, well, hey, look, Bama pushed him out, so we can call that. That's not the way replay works. And I don't think, anyway, you're not supposed to be able to go back. I mean, we can't go back and look at a run and say, oh, my gosh, that offensive line's holding That's coming back. Like, we don't do – we don't use replay that way. Yet when the cap was not thrown, meaning he had gone out of bounds, and then the flag was not thrown, meaning we had pushed him out of bounds, it was pass interference, they're just making they're making shit up as they go. And and like you said, I'm not going to sit here and blame the, the loss on that. Um, I guess we're jumping the gun on our losers, but that's fine. Um, and I had I actually had a person yesterday tell me said boy if we just if we just had one more quarter and I, I totally disagree with that if we had one more quarter we'd have lost by five unless we could have eventually got an onside kick because we were not stopping them in the fourth quarter on the flip side <laughs> they were not stopping us either it was a if you like Big Twelve football the uh, SEC on CBS was the place to be Saturday yeah it was all over it all over it and on top all of right. that. Wait, on top of that, I got knocked out of my freaking NFL survivor pool this weekend. The old New Orleans Saints, 13-point home favorites, go down by more than 13. (laughs) Atlanta, 2-7 Atlanta, hammered them. (laughs) All right, you got word of the day, and then we'll jump into winners, losers. Lugubrious. Lugubrious. L-U-G-U-B-R. I-O-U-S, lugubrious. The meaning, solemn, sad, dismal. No sense Kind of like required. playing taps. Yeah. Exactly. I know, it is, a, it is a sad mindset. day, but as, as we will... As we will unfold, as this podcast will unfold, you're going to see that all is not lost when we get to our meaningless topic. But let's jump into winners. And we've got two, well, we've got a couple of winners. We have two bullet points, but uh, the second bullet point is a combination. But we're going to start off with LSU. I mean, look, I'm not going to make, I'm not going to, my first sentence is I'm not going to make excuses. Outside of the excuses I just made in the intro, I'm not going to (laughs) make excuses. Uh, The better team won. I mean, we had no answer for their offense, especially in the fourth quarter. We made way too many, and this is the concerning part to me. We made entirely too many mistakes coming off a bye week. Uh, number 22 for them is a stud, but I'm going to tell you what, our number 22 ain't bad either. And there was a, a couple of Twitterers that said that, that that the game might be decided by number 22 on either team, and it was. I'm going to go this far. If 22 for them, if he was if he was a, a Heisman candidate before uh, Saturday, he wasn't. But if he would have been, he would have sewn it up. That dude had a phenomenal game. Uh, 
number one for LSU abused our number seven. I mean, I was very disappointed in, in Diggs' play. Uh, number nine, uh, I, sadly, I think we did see the Heisman Trophy winner Saturday night, and it was number nine for LSU. Um, uh, the best, and that's really all I have. I'll let you you're, – you're better in the, the X's and O's and the, uh, the stats – but I did hear a, a funny, you know, that's the thing. We're Bama homers. The loss hurt. But, I mean, dude, it's just, it's football. Uh, life goes on. I, and I can always appreciate a good joke. And a, a guy called in to XM yesterday, and he said, he said the, the surest way to beat Bama is to get you a third-string quarterback from Ohio State. <laughs> you know, Cardell, <laughs> Cardell Jones beat us in 2014, and now Burrow beat us 2019. So, yeah. uh, props to him. But, now, yeah, now let me go throw up. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, LSU's offense is better than I thought it was going to be. I, I, I just, or our defense was worse than I thought. Uh, it's probably somewhere in the middle. But you're right. We had absolutely no answers for them. I think for the most part, they exploited our less experienced linebackers. You know, Burrow made some huge runs with the feet. Um, he didn't have a ton of yards on the ground. But it seemed like every single time he he took off with it, it was at a critical juncture, and he was effective with it. Um, our 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 backers really got abused there on those outlet passes too. Uh, just like you were saying, Hilaire there, he had nine catches out of the backfield. I mean, their their running back caught more balls than any player on either team, well, except for that one LSU cheerleader. But um, Burrow gets a huge amount of credit for that. Those outlet passes work great if they're not pre-planned, like screens and such. When you're looking downfield first and then come back to that as a safety valve, that's hard to defend. Uh, mm-hmm. They had our linebackers watching for him to run. They had him watching for it to dump it off. And he still went 31-39 for 393, and that was throwing the ball down the field too. So you, you had that triple-headed monster with not as much pressure as I would like to see. That's just hard to hard to defend. Um, I thought we did a much better job in the first half to getting pressure on Burrow and not letting the late swing passes and, ru- and runs gash us as much. But, uh, you know, that first half deficit was mainly turnovers, two of fumbles on the first drive, negates a chip shot, punter drops a snap, sets up easy field goal, and then Tua throws that pick with 15 seconds left in the half and Burrow took advantage, you know. He he got a late mm-hmm. late score there with what five seconds to go, something like that. Yeah, it was bad. Yeah, so I mean, it was it it was a a comedy of errors there for a little while for us, and and you know those were our fault. But I tell you what, LSU LSU was impressive all night. Only once. Here's a stat that I found highly impressive in this game. I, I really did. Only once all night did LSU not respond immediately after Bama scored with one of their own. Now think about that. Basically, when Bama made a push to get back in the game, they always responded. I think when Bama scored the first TD in the second half to cut it to 33-20, LSU punted on their next drive, and and we cut it to six immediately. That was the only Mm -hmm. time they didn't respond. From every point there on out – when we would cut it back to six or five or whatever it was, they immediately went down and scored a touchdown of their own. That that's uh that's commendable playing under that kind of pressure in that environment. So hat hats off to them for that. Yeah, for sure. 
Uh, all right, next winner is a, is a beneficiary of Bama being a loser is the Big 12 Conference, the Pac-12 Conference. Uh, got you rolling that yeah. one first, Tom. Generally, the entire country roots against Bama, and for good reason. I mean, we've been dominant for so long, people are just hired, tired of hearing about them. But, you know, Bama has shown on multiple occasions they can rebound from an early season loss and run the table. And four of their last five championships have come with a loss. And only once has Bama went undefeated in the regular season and won it all. That was 2009. They have been denied twice in the championship game with an undefeated record. So nobody wants them in the playoff except for us homers. But this this past week's loss was especially important for the Big 12 and the Pac-12. Those conferences are considered significantly weaker than the SEC, of course particularly the Big 12. If LSU would have lost Saturday's game by the exact same margin, their their resume would likely trump both of the conference champions for either one of those conferences. So they would have had significant wins against top-tier opponents, which would have likely included the second or third-place team in the Big 12 in Texas, whatever they would have finished. So you could have been looking at a number one Bama with number two LSU in the SEC. It would have been hard for those conferences to get in over LSU. But, you know, the Bama loss is a different story. I think these guys got exactly what they needed. Bama's resume may not hold up against one lost champ from either of those conferences. As previously discussed, if the committee values resume, then Bama's best win would be against Auburn, assuming they can even win that game. It's a moot point, obviously, if they were to lose there. But uh, if Bama wins out, it won't be easy for the committee to put them in over a one-loss champ. So uh, I think the Big 12 and Pac-12 have to be pleased with with the winner of Saturday's game, for sure. Yeah, I think it's mute point instead of moot, but uh, potato, potato. (laughs) (laughs) I don't have much to add here. You covered exactly one, one thing I wanted to cover. I will say this, <clears throat> the um, the pressure now is definitely ramped up for an Oklahoma, for Oregon, for Utah, because like you said, uh, going into this past weekend, you had Ohio State undefeated, Clemson undefeated, which you knew they were going to move up, and then you had Bama LSU undefeated. If LSU lost, really, it would have been in LSU's benefit, best interest to lose. I mean, I know that that sounds crazy, but they're getting in. 11-1 LSU, there's no doubt they're getting in, whether it's the three spot or the four spot, because they had so many good wins earlier in the year. So now that Bama has lost, and we're definitely out, you know, the CFP comes out tomorrow night, we're going to be four or five. It just depends on what they do with Georgia, I think. But uh, all of a sudden, Oregon and Utah, instead of just, you know, hey, we're going to do, we're going to win, and we're going to do what we can, and maybe we get the benefit of the doubt, all of a sudden they are – Kind of somewhat in the in controlling their own destiny, not a hundred percent, not like Ohio State, LSU, even Georgia controls their own destiny. But they're very close. I mean, if Oregon closes out with, let's just say they close out the season with double digit wins the rest of their games, it's going to be hard to put Bama in over Oregon, and we'll talk about that later. But the pressure is still up. Hey, still a lot of football to be played. Um, you know, we'll, I think Bama gets in over OU, So, uh, but that, the Pac-12 is going to be a real stickler for us. So now yeah. let's move on to losers. Of course, the first loser is going to be Bama because we had everything in the palm of our hand, everything in front of us. We controlled our own destiny. And then basically in three minutes and 30 seconds, we lost it all. No doubt. 
you know, I covered a, a good bit of this uh, earlier when I was talking about the LSU winners, but, you know, all in all, Bama has a lot of holes in their defense. I think we knew that already, but they were really exploited Saturday. The linebacker play, as I mentioned, was subpar, and it looked like our defensive line got winded in the second half. I thought Anthony Jennings was getting a pretty good pass rush in the first half, even though we ended up down by 20, but that was likely to those miscues I talked about earlier. I thought Jennings was getting a good push in the first half, but he looked sort of out of steam in the second half. Just didn't He didn't come off the ball like he was the, the whole first half. Uh, it just, just my observation there. And you had mentioned it earlier, Diggs. I, Diggs didn't look like he wanted to tackle anybody. He he was arm tackling and pushing and that sort of thing. I mean, he's a great cover guy, but we needed him to be a true tackler on Saturday, and he didn't show up doing that either. But, uh, you know, where Bama really loses in this loser section is the teams they have left on their sed- schedule suck. You know, Bama may be on the outside yeah. looking into this playoff because the rest of the SEC is mediocre. If I were to rank the non-Bama teams today in the SEC, I would go LSU, Georgia, Florida, Auburn, and then you can just dump all the rest of them in one pile after that. That's it. Mm-hmm. And we only get to play two of these four, and one of them we've already lost to. I mean, the, the, yeah. the schedule just does you no favors. <clears throat> LSU, on the other hand, they you, you swap us for them when they're looking at it from the other uh, set of glasses – they get to play uh, three out of the four in regular season, and heck, they've already beat all three. So mm-hmm. kudos to them, but our schedule really did us no favors this year, and that's not that's not entirely our fault. I mean, it just it just isn't. Now, you know, the rumor, I don't know if it was a substantiated or not, but the rumor was we, the reason we played Duke is because Clemson said they didn't want to play us, you know, the opening weekend. I don't know. Maybe that's just ACC – versus ACC talk. But, you know, we beat Duke, and then Duke comes out looks pretty good. Now they've fallen off. We really needed – this is the year we needed that win over a Wisconsin. Uh, I wouldn't say USC. They had not been doing very well. But, I mean, imagine if we if that win was over Wisconsin instead of over Duke. I mean, our, our schedule would look, be looked at totally different. And oh, yeah. I tell you, like in 2013 when we played Auburn, I mean, in one game, like I said, three minutes and 30 seconds, we managed to lose a conference championship – a national championship, and most likely the Heisman Trophy. I don't see Tua winning it. I mean, Burrow is in the driver's seat now. He gets to play the extra week, even if he has a bad game here or there. He gets, you know, if he goes and beats Georgia, he's they're going to give it to him, and he's going to have earned it. There's, there's yep. no doubt about it. The same way Tua earned it last year, he just got screwed out of it. It was Bama fatigue last year. I mean, Tua, they, they, the voters let people like Danny Connell talk them out of voting for Tua because they said he didn't have a Heisman moment. Well, here's what's funny. You know what? You know what Burrow's Heisman moment is right now? An eight-yard gain well, on, on his on the ground on his feet with his feet because that's that iced the game basically. Yeah. So uh, uh, Cecil Hurt had a great tweet, and I mean it's great, but it's sad. With three minutes, I think I'm just gonna make it up. I'm very close to what he said. The three minutes and 43 seconds left in the second quarter, we're down by six, and we have the ball. Yep. How in the crap do you have the ball with 343 left, and you go into half down 20 instead of down six? I mean, that's why we're throwing it. What What was Saban going to do? Was he going to get downfield and then miss a field goal? Because you know our kicker ain't going to make it. Why are we even passing the ball there? Anyway, uh, uphill climb for the playoffs, but – 
we keep on throwing teachers out there. We're going to we're going to show a clear path for Bama to be in the playoffs <laughs> later on. Our second loser, <clears throat> our second loser is Penn State. And uh Penn State had no way of knowing since they had the kegs and the eggs time slot, but with a win Saturday, all they had to do was win Saturday and then not get blown out by Ohio State in a couple of weeks and they're probably in the playoffs at 11 and 1. Yep. I mean, I think that they they have a great schedule. They have a great strength of record, game control, blah blah blah, all the ESPN metrics, the that are out there, and they ran into a buzzsaw. You know, uh, it happens. I mean, it, it it happens to the best of us. And you know, PJ Fleck has the boys at Minnesota playing good. They they believe. I mean, I, I'm amazed at. I was always amazed at coaches. Still am. Like Rush Probst at uh, at Hoover. You know, Hoover. What used to be Barry High School. I mean, they've all they've been Hoover that those Hoover kids. They've had the same kids for you know twenty years before Rush came. They never really did much, and then Rush comes. Now, granted, I'm sure if we got any Birmingham listeners, like, well, yeah, he recruited well. Okay, he recruited some, but still, he got those kids believing. He got them raw, raw. He he was a great motivator. PJ Fleck is a phenomenal motivator. You know, would it would his coaching style? Transfer into a, a blue blood, a Michigan, a Bama, an Ohio State. I don't know. But he's got the boys in Minnesota playing really well. And, uh, you know, Penn State, big loser there because they were within a win against Minnesota and they were knocking on the door of the playoffs with Bama losing. Yeah. There's not a lot more I can add to this one. Um, you know, Minnesota never trailed in that game. But they're not they're not that good. They're just not. They're they're undefeated, but I still consider them a paper tiger. Mm-hmm. Obviously paper is greater than Nittany, but it's still not great. I'm not riding the Minnesota train that needed two overtimes to beat Fresno and a last second T D to squeak by Georgia and Southern. But uh like you said, this is really about Penn State being the loser. And uh Penn State was a team that was supposed to be back. This is a team that was setting up a showdown in two weeks versus Ohio State. And like you said, win or lose, all they had to do is be respectable there. And the, you would probably prefer to lose, just like you had mentioned for LSU a while ago, didn't have to play in the championship game, you can get into that number four spot. It was an absolutely perfect scenario for them. It was Franklin's time to show he had a contender. But uh, instead, they're destined to yet another two-plus loss regular season record. 2008, that was the last time Penn State finished with only a single regular season loss. That streak will continue indefinitely. Yeah, I think so too. All right, so we're moving on to the meaningless topic of the day. And this, like uh, we were talking earlier off the air, we, we do prep for this show, by the way. And we feel like this is the meat and potatoes. So if you've been fast-forwarding through our podcast, and uh, you need to stop right here because this is it. This is the meaningless topic. We're going to go conference by conference. What is it going to take for Bama to get into the playoffs? All right, so we're going to start with Big Ten. We're going to start with kind of the easy ones first. We're going Big Ten, ACC, Big 12, and then the the, the two key ones are Pac-12 and ACC. So, Tom, I got you going first on the Big Ten. What you got? Yeah, ultimately, Bama is likely not in control of their own destiny at this point. No surprise there. In my preview to the LSU game, I actually called for Bama to be in an almost must-win situation unless they wanted to depend on chaos. Well, that's what we're after now, so uh, we're going to hit these conferences for reasonable scenarios, but uh, we're going to need some chaos. We're just going to need it. So, for the Big Ten, you know, of course – uh, 
conference is pretty easy to dissect here. No one looks like they're capable of taking down Ohio State. Um, and I think it's very reasonable to think that the Big Ten will have a playoff participant. I mean, Ohio State is likely a mortal lock at this point. But uh, what we didn't need to have was for them to have a second candidate that would steal votes from Bama, and Penn State was going to be that scary candidate if their only loss was to Ohio State, just like what we just said. But luckily, they went down this weekend, so that scenario is out. The best thing for Bama now is if Ohio State goes ahead and wins out. That would give Penn State two losses, and if Minnesota happened... Uh, pause for uncontrollable laughter here. Uh, if they happen to run the table, okay, I, I can't even say that out loud. All right, so Minnesota <laughs> might make the title game, but um, but th- no, they're not beating Ohio State. They're not going undefeated in regular se- season. I think again, this is straightforward Big Ten. Uh, unless unless Chase Young gets you know, declared ineligible for the season and they retroactively take some games away from Ohio State. This is their conference, and Minnesota is not getting a second spot. This one's cut and dry. Yeah, I agree. Uh, you know, the what would kill Bama is in two weeks is Penn State beat Ohio State, which would leave Ohio State at home. Ohio State's in. They're, they're getting the LSU treatment this year. Uh, LSU finishes with one loss. It doesn't matter who lo- they lose to, they're in. Ohio State has one loss to end the year. It doesn't matter who is to, they're in. So we've got to have Ohio State run the table. So, all right, <clears throat> in summation, playoff spot number one, the Big Ten has a participant. we got three spots left. Now let's move on to the ACC. All right, the perfect scenario, this is, this is really weird because the perfect scenario is for Clemson to drop a game because they're out. I mean, I, yep. it doesn't matter who it's to. It doesn't matter the score. They have no respect uh, in the conference this year. And uh, the committee showed them as much, you know, in the first vote, which had them at fifth. I don't see that happen happening. So the more realistic option is winning for Clemson just to win out and, uh, and take – it doesn't really matter. The ACC is so inconsequential in this exercise we're doing. But we're just going to say they're going to win out because I, I don't see anybody beating them. But if they if they do lose, you know if that is a path, that is a clear path for Bama to get in if Clemson finishes with one loss. But I just don't see it happening. So um, I can I'll let you add, but I think you're going to agree with me. So that's, no, yeah, uh, that's go ahead it. and add what you want to add. Then we'll, no, we'll I tally have nothing, it up. I have nothing to add for that. That was perfect. <laughs> Thank you. But I tell you, <laughs> so so I'll go. I'll jump. I'll jump on into the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve. Well, hang on, start- hang on, hang on, hang oh, uh, on. We've got, we've got a. Well, no, I mean that's that that. It, keeping track now, we've got two spots taken. We've got the Big Ten champ OSU. We've got the ACC champ Clemson. So two teams in, two conferences covered, and we've got three conferences left with two more spots. Now roll into the Big Twelve. All right. So the Big Twelve is where it starts to get interesting for Bama. Likely, Bama's resume will end up being compared to the conference champs of both the Big 12 and the Pac-12. You know, that's assuming that we can win out. So uh, the best hope that that we're going to have is for one of those two conferences or both those two conferences really to present weak champions. We almost had the perfect storm Saturday in a game that was overlooked because of ours. You know, I, I didn't want to watch any more football after after our game and I paid attention to it none. I just took the evening off. And I didn't realize till Sunday that Iowa State uh, had a two point conversion to beat Oklahoma there 
Saturday evening uh, that fell just <laughs> short. So I didn't know that either. <laughs> yeah, Oklahoma beat them forty-two to forty-one. Ten seconds left. Uh, I th- something like that. <laughs> Iowa State had scored, and and they had to stop a two-point conversion, similar to what Clemson had to do with North Carolina earlier this year. So basically, the only possible playoff contenders for the Big Twelve are Oklahoma and Baylor. They of course play this weekend. Baylor will collect their first loss, or Oklahoma will be officially eliminated. Now, Baylor has eked by several opponents this year, including one TD or less victories over TCU, West Virginia, Texas Tech, Iowa State, and Rice. Yes, that list kept going and going and going. I like our chances of our once-beaten Baylor team. They still have Oklahoma this week, Texas next week, at Kansas at the end of the year, and then the Big 12 title game. They're probably one win away from locking in their Big 12 title game appearance, I think. But but nonetheless, that's mm. the remaining schedule. They'll likely be underdogs in three out of four of those games. They'll, they'll play Oklahoma twice, which they'll be underdogs to twice. And they'll be uh, underdogs to Texas as well, even though that's a home game, I'm pretty sure. If, if they're not, it's going to be one or two points one way or the other. But I wouldn't be surprised to see them as an underdog there. Now, Oklahoma's a different animal. If they get to the end of the year with a single loss, their schedule is similar to Baylor, but they've won in much more impressive fashion. They play at Baylor this Saturday, like we just said. Then they have TCU, and then they're at Oklahoma State. Now, Oklahoma State's not terrible. They actually just cracked the top 25, and then they'll have the Big 12 title game. So they'll be a favorite in all four of those games, but... Three out of the four should be less than 10-point lines, I would think. So, in my opinion, Bama's best bet is to get Oklahoma a loss. That best chance is this weekend at Baylor. If Baylor beats them this weekend, that would eliminate Oklahoma. But then Oklahoma could actually enact a revenge scenario in the title game, and that would be the absolutely best-case scenario. You'd have a two-loss champion, Oklahoma, and Baylor would have at least one loss. I'd like Bama's chances versus a one-loss non-champion in Baylor. But the bottom line here is that both Baylor and Oklahoma still have to navigate their each other twice, and then they both have you know, somewhat losable games, particularly the way Oklahoma has played lately, uh, somewhat losable games there are other two. So w- we need Oklahoma to pick up a loss, just one, and we really need Baylor to pick up a loss as well. I mean, if Baylor runs the table, they're in. They're just in. Uh, if Oklahoma runs the table, you know, you're going to have an argument, one loss, one loss, but it's going to be hard to keep a conference champ out with equivalent records, I think. Yeah, I, we're in a little bit of disagreement here. Um, I think we're. I, I think the Big 12 is dead outside of Baylor going undefeated. I think we get in over Oklahoma at one loss because didn't they? Didn't the CFP put them at nine to begin the uh, on the first rankings last week? And uh, I think that was it. And that that shows you what they feel about their schedule. And I agree, Baylor. Your Big 12, you're undefeated. You got to put them in. But my gosh, does anybody believe on a neutral field that Baylor beats Bama? You know, yeah. so <clears throat> I think the and the reason I think that we get in over Oklahoma, even if they run the table, they lost to a twenty four point dog, 
and they're going to get the uh, Ohio State-Purdue treatment from last year. They're not going to be able to overlook that. Our loss is going to be by five to the number who is going to be the number one team in the country, number two at absolute worst. And their loss is going to be by – I don't know what they lost by. It might have been five as well, five or six. I don't remember. Uh, I know yeah, they needed a like touchdown that. after that onside kick. And uh, so it was at least four. But, uh, you know, that the 24-point dog is really going to kill them. So I think, I think the Big 12 is dead uh, as long as we handle our business in a decent fashion. So right now we've got three conferences down. We have two spots filled. Big 12 does not get to fill a spot. we got two conferences left, and we have two spots left. No. All right, so let's go to the Pac-12. Right. So, so you're just going to discount my opinion completely. You're going to trump. You're going to trump my opinion with your opinion, and then just say they don't get a spot. That's horse shit. <laughs> well, I like you your know, thinking, though. I hope of... you're right, but I just, I just, <laughs> I just think that uh, Oklahoma, it, it, it's gonna, it's gonna be a decision, and that's what I was trying to do. I was, I was saying, hey, what can happen to avoid a decision? I don't think there's any shot that Baylor's going undefeated. If they do, we both agree they're in. But if Oklahoma finishes up with one loss, there will be a decision. Now, I hope you're right that the decision will go our way, but there will be one. You know, there there wouldn't be a decision for a, a you know a, a one loss Baylor. That's a non-decision. no for sure. No, I agree. Yeah. Well, for the for, you know, if you're going to give Oklahoma or Baylor a spot right now, then we can just skip the the rest of it because we're out. You know. <laughs> <laughs> this is a pro-Bama podcast, Tom. And if you remember about four months ago, I said, would you like to lead the podcast or would you like me to? And you said, I would like you to. So I'm the driver. <laughs> so know your role and shut your mouth. <clears throat> All right, Pac-12. Now, this is the – we say the the most important two conferences for the end. And uh, the, to me, this is the linchpin of the whole thing is the Pac-12. The best-case scenario is we need carnage. And it could happen. I'm telling you, the Pac-12 has uh, – you remember one year Stanford had to be beat or Stanford had to beat somebody, and they did, and it, it got us in. That might have been 2000. I think it was 2011 after we'd lost to LSU. And, mm-hmm. I mean, man, the pressure is up on these teams because they can see, wow, we, this might be us this year. And here's the two teams I'm talking about. You've got Oregon, who has not lost since uh, the first week against Auburn, and then you've got Utah, who inexplicably dropped a Friday night game to USC. I say inexplicably now because USC is just not that good, and they beat them with a third-string quarterback. So we best-case scenario, and if this happens right here, I will go out on. I will go and say. Slam dunk, write it in dark black ink, Bama is in. If Utah and Oregon both lose a game before the championship game, Bama is in, as long as we finish 11-1. A two-loss Pac-12 champ is not going to be able to trump Bama's one loss. So, how does that happen? Well, it's probably not going to. Oregon has Arizona left at 4-5, and five, Arizona State at 5-4, and four, and Oregon State at 4-5. and five. That's the current records, of course. Now, I'm, I highlighted Oregon State. That is a rivalry game. That's probably their best chance to lose a game. I don't think they lose it. I think they finish out 11-1. Utah has UCLA at 4-5, and five, at Arizona at 4-5, and five, and Colorado at 4-6. and six. Boy, the Pac-12 just got some great teams, don't they? Yeah. Anyway, um, I've got at Arizona being the best loss possibility for Utah. Again, I don't think they lose it. I had to pick a team, so I picked Arizona. So I've got them finishing 11-1. and one. 
All right, at this point, if both of them are 11 and 1, we cannot have Utah win because Utah has no common opponent with Alabama. And that is going to, I think Utah gets in over Bama. We need Oregon to win, but we need them to pull a an Ohio State Wisconsin from two years ago where we, we did not remember Wisconsin was number three. We had oh, lost yeah. to Auburn, and uh, Wisconsin was number three. If they win, they're in. We knew Ohio State was better. And Ohio State was knocking on the door too, and we're like, man, we Ohio State's got to win, but they can't win too big. Like it can't be forty-two to fourteen, or we're screwed. And Ohio State held up their end of the bargain; they won twenty-seven twenty-one. It's just a beautiful, beautiful thing. So um, we got to have Oregon win, and preferably win three to ten point range. And in turn, we've got well, we'll talk about us and Auburn in a minute. But if Oregon will. Win by less than double, you know, 10, 10 or less, I think we have a good shot to take that last spot from them. But now Oregon's going to be tough to keep out because they're going to be able, their resume, they're going to be able to tell the committee, hey, we lost the first game of the year to an SEC team that finishes either 9-3 and three or, well, heck, I mean, I guess Auburn could technically finish 10-2. and two. You know, they're either, Auburn's either going to be 8-4, and 9-3, and three, or 10-2. and two. And of course, if they're ten and two, all this is a, a mute point anyway. So uh, that's what we need from the Pac-12. We need Oregon. We need we need to, both of them with two losses. Probably not going to happen. If that doesn't happen, we need Oregon to win in the slimmest of margins. Yeah, and I'll just throw this in the uh, the teams that you noted on each of their schedules absolutely do have poor records at this point in the game. But I don't know this for certain because I didn't look it up. It just reminded me of it when you said it. But I think if you were to look on the Pac-12 standings, those teams uh, would be toward the middle or top, and some of them would be towards the bottom, of course. But uh, I think there are nine or ten teams in the Pac-12 right now that has a minimum of four losses. I think they have four, five, and six losses. There's yeah. nine oh, yeah. or ten teams that have that many losses. So that those are that the records are all poor, but they all play similarly. So uh, you know, you never know. We yeah, if I, and if we could get one of those upsets, all you need is one, and then have that team upset mm-hmm. the other one in the championship game. But for sure, again, that's sure. a long shot. I think to uh, to put it in layman's terms. Uh, Basically, what Tom is saying, if I can take the liberty, is the teams they have left are kind of like a team like uh, South Carolina, um, Missouri, maybe even an upstart Tennessee now, instead of like an Arkansas or a Vanderbilt. Correct. Fair enough? Correct. All right. So, right now we have uh, four conferences covered. We have two spots guaranteed taken, and we've got Oregon or Utah knocking on the door for the third spot, or what will turn out to be the last spot. Go ahead and close it out. Close that with the SEC. Okay, so I think the optimum SEC scenario for Bama is pretty cut and dry. LSU needs to win the SEC championship. They just need. They just. That's just point blank what needs to happen. A loss by LSU in the championship game, which we would assume will be against Georgia, I think that's pretty almost locked up, would be crippling. Mm-hmm. They could lose to Texas A&M at the end of the year just as long as they win against Georgia in the title game. If they were to lose to a one-loss Georgia team, then both Georgia and LSU would get in the playoff. Both of them have a one-loss, and Bama will be out high and dry. No questions asked. Doesn't matter what anybody else does. But there is one more component to the ideal scenario for Bama, all right? 
We need Auburn to beat Georgia this weekend. Auburn is just out- ball. Yeah. Auburn is just outside the top ten right now and playing number six Georgia. A win against Georgia would mean that Auburn would be back in the top ten by the time Bama plays them. And that is a thing that the committee could get a boost from uh, for Bama's resume because we need it for sure. And if Auburn's in the top ten, that would look really good. And it also couples as a good look with, like you said, if Oregon's the comparison team out there in the Pac-12. Now, if Auburn wants to lose to Georgia, they're already at 13. They'd fall back to 20 or or so. And then if we beat them, they may even fall out of the top 25. And and that's just not a good look when they start comparing resumes. We'd have Mm one-ranked team on their schedule. But – but if Bama can get through the regular season with wins over a highly ranked Auburn team and a close loss to LSU, that might be enough. Maybe, depending on, you know, regardless of who they're up against, except for just a select couple of scenarios. So now there is a, still a wild card in the SEC that could help Bama as well. Now, I mentioned them in the October wrap-up. Texas A&M has gotten a bad rap due to their close win over Arkansas. But the current reality is they're six and three with their only losses coming to two, uh, to three top ten teams, Clemson, Auburn, and Bama. Now bless their hearts, they still have to play Georgia next week. But Georgia will be coming off the Auburn game this weekend, and if A and M could pull off that upset before they play LSU the following week, bless their hearts again, they may actually be ranked at the end of the year. That would be another boost for our resume. And I'll also throw this out there. There will be some credence to computer polls and strength of schedules. So win or lose against Georgia, A&M will be a good component that will, or a good opponent that will boost our strength of schedule. That they could literally finish the season with five losses, with all top, all of them being in the top ten. So, in summary, I think the best scenario would be for LSU to win out. That's simple. And then we could get extra resume boosters if we could get Auburn to beat Georgia, and an even bigger boost if A and M could follow up and beat Georgia the next week as well. So it goes without saying we must beat Auburn ourselves, but uh, we probably need to look good doing that too. We need to, if we could run up that score as a comparison game, but us versus Oregon, if it comes down to that, we need to be in Auburn and winning convincingly. Yeah. Uh, you you covered it exactly. I didn't, I didn't even factor in the A and M. I don't know if you noticed this though. If Georgia loses to Auburn and A and M, they're not going to Atlanta to be Florida with two losses. So uh, yeah, which will be fine. Which will be fine. Yep. If Georgia, if Georgia, if if the East champion wins, we're out unless Georgia or Florida has they have two losses and they could beat LSU. It won't affect LSU, but it, it that would mean the SEC champion will not be going because they're not going to take a two loss Georgia or Florida over Bama. Uh, easiest way though is for LSU to win out, so that takes up spot number three, and then the fourth spot comes down between Oregon and Bama. If Bama wins about fourteen or more at Auburn, I think we're in. So there you have it, folks. Uh, the playoff as we see it is going to be LSU one playing, and uh, I guess they'll be hosting. Uh, I mean, I don't. Know. It'd be interesting to see what they did. Would they do the right thing and give Clemson the four spot? And then give us three versus two at Ohio State. Doesn't really matter. As long as we're in, you just want to be in. Number one has never won it. And uh, maybe that will hold true because Lord knows we're not going to be number one this year. 
All right, yeah. so we are going into the game of the week. We only have one game of the week this week. We're going to keep it short and sweet. Uh, hint, hint, Tom, we're running over time. But uh, Auburn, Georgia, line two and a half, and uh, I have my thoughts on that. I'll share in just a minute. Yeah, I, I didn't have much on this. As a matter of fact, I figured we kind of covered it uh, going away. But uh, Auburn can win this game. Obviously, Vegas thinks they can win the game with a two-point spread. Georgia still has not shown that they can move the ball effectively against uh, even mediocre teams, much less an elite defense. So Auburn's going to have a hard time moving against them as well. It's going to be a defensive struggle. It's going to be low scoring. But if you get that and you you have the advantage of playing in Auburn, if Auburn can muster up any kind of offense, they can sneak out of here with a win. Yeah, I I think the line is wrong. I think Georgia should be favored by six or seven. Honestly, if Georgia beats South Carolina, what's this line? Six and a half to eight. And, uh, you know, that was just a, a ridiculous loss uh, by Georgia. But it is what it is. Um, you know, the thing is, if North Carolina would have beat Clemson, by if they would converted the two-point conversion, would Clemson be any more or less of a team? I mean, no. It just, they you know, they gave up a two-point conversion. You know, Georgia missed a field goal to uh, – to, to close out the South Carolina game. So, you know, it, it happens. Uh, I, I think Georgia wears Auburn's defense out in the second half because nepotism won't be able to move the ball. After the script, <laughs> Georgia wins by 10-plus. <laughs> yeah, I was hoping you would catch that. All right, now, in the least shocking event of the weekend <laughs> on our bets, Tom went 0-2 and, and I went 2-0. and <laughs> I am I am absolutely snake bit on these games. I had TCU as an underlo- underdog. They got it to overtime and uh, and lost in OT. And of course, I, I I was way on the wrong side of of the Duke game. So yes, uh, another scathing zero and two day for me. I had Duke on a tease, so I feel your pain. I had Clemson and Tennessee, and both covered. So two and zero. I'm sixteen and six on the year, dude. If, nice. Uh, if you'd have bet that, yeah, it'd been been a nice little payday for you. All right, give me two games for week twelve. I'm gonna take Iowa over Minnesota. That's that's as fishy as it gets. Minnesota beating Penn State, jumping up there. They got all all the world looking at them now, and Iowa comes in as a three point favorite. I'll take them. Uh, also going with Missouri plus the seven against Florida. Florida's offense struggles, but so does Missouri's. The defenses should keep this one close. And besides, if Missouri wins, they still may finish second in the East, per my prediction. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I've got Bama at 19 and a half. Dude, we lose one game to the number one or number two team in the country, and all of a sudden we're disrespected. Mississippi State is not a good ball club. And um, granted, we're not a good ball club defensively, but – 19 and a half, that's candy. Take Bama. We're 42 to 14, something like that. Uh, Second line I have is, well, shoot, I'm not supposed to use that game as game of the week. I was going to do Georgia. I'm going to take Oklahoma, uh, minus nine and a half. Baylor is a paper champion. Uh, Oklahoma, it's at Baylor, but Oklahoma wins by at least 14, if not more. Uh, Instagram model of the week, she should have really moved up. She definitely should have been in front of the horse, but that's Henry (laughs) on. her name is Heidi Hoback, and her Instagram is at Little Red Heidi Hood. It's L I L R E D, then Heidi, like the movie, 
and then Hood, like uh, Little Red Riding Hood. She's Little Red Hiding Hood. And uh, she is an outdoors girl, uh, very attractive, and she's probably best known. LeBron James slid in her DMs, and he was denied by Heidi Hoback. So <laughs> score one for the good guys there. <laughs> uh, dude, I sent you a picture. Of how does she measure up with Deb? Now, listen, she does like the outdoors. Deb likes the outdoors. I feel like we're neck and neck here. Well, I'm going to tell you what. She had some impressive stats for sure. But uh, it's late in this season right now. Deb's stat line cannot be touched. I think Deb's already a lock for the finals, brother. Goodness gracious. I'll try to do better next week. All right. Like we said, it would be in Bama's best interest if Auburn won this weekend. That said, if you're traveling from Athens to Auburn this weekend, go west till you smell it, then south till you step in it. Hook her down, you hairy dogs. Go dogs. Take it easy, guys.